0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good evening, good morning. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech I'm Eagle Falcon. Kind of a quiet week today, but I do have the return of an old stylus segment of mine. The how well does the Eagle build go against the original? We got that coming up later today in this podcast, but first we need to talk about. The iPhone X pre-orders. They went on pre-order this week. And I'll be perfectly honest, this snuck up on me. This snuck up on me because I thought the pre-orders were pushed back. There's a lot of reports that the supply chain was getting weak. There's been other reports that they've been... Reducing the accuracy of the facial recognition equipment, which, honestly, that equipment, uh, I'll just cover that real quick, I wasn't actually going to, that report smells bogus. It smells bogus because Apple's not the one building it, Intel is. All Apple's doing is putting in Intel's sensor, the Real Sense sensor. Intel can make those things for days. The bottleneck's going to be the OLED display, which screens are notoriously difficult to make. It's one of the reasons why Foxconn's doing this crazy thing called building a giant LCD factory in southeastern Wisconsin. Yeah, because LCDs, OLEDs, all of it is extremely difficult to make. That's usually where the bottleneck is. To make some censor and that being the bottom like give me a break. Stupid reports trying to say stupid things to get some stupid clicks. Makes no sense to anyone who puts, puts an ounce of thought into it. Anyway, the iPhone X actually did go on pre-order this week. The pre-order sold out in 10 minutes. That is not an exaggeration. This was also the easiest prediction in the world to make. The only unknown was which phone was going to sell more. The iPhone 8, which introduced a lot of first features for the iPhone line, such as wireless charging, a new processor, and that's basically it. But still, though... (laughs) (laughs) The question was, would the $1,000 price tag on the iPhone X throw it off? And I predicted, incorrectly, that the iPhone 8 would outsell the iPhone X. Mainly because of both, A, the hefty price tag on the X, and B, the fact that the X got got rid of the home button. I figured it would take at least a generation for the overwhelmingly large public to say, yeah, I'm willing to part with the home button, the one thing that iPhones had since the dawn of time, and switch to a completely different and unnatural feeling of unlocking the home screen. But this prediction could have been made the moment that reports started coming in that the iPhone 8 was doing terribly. In fact, I made this prediction. Pretty sure I did. Not sure if I did on the air though, to be quite honest. Regardless, doesn't matter. After the iPhone 8 did poorly, some idiots were like, "Oh, that means Apple's going to do terribly. This is the this is the the lineup that that the public hates." No. <laughs> no. The public wants the X more. Now, I don't know when the iPhones are going to be shipped out. We're going to find out soon. I mean, supposedly we're supposed to be getting to mid-November. We'll see. But, um, I want to say I heard early on that, uh, we weren't going to see these phones until next year in, in early January. I'm not sure if that was a rumor. Or what. But in the end. Surprise, surprise, Apple's not in trouble. The iPhone X is going to ship is going to sell gangbusters. And blah 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 blah. The Apple fans dive in to save the day once again. So, let's move on. We're going to move on to the shocking news that GPU vendors love the current trend of mining cryptocurrency because it means that more people buy GPUs to mine cryptocurrency. This is another thing that... the early reports that gpu manufacturers were hating the crypto mining current crypto mining thing was uh just dumb <laughs> let's think about this for 1 minute cryptocurrency mining if you don't know is taking a specifically built computer with a lot of graphic cards in it and using that computer to do what's called mining. It's basically solving a bunch of super, 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 super complex mathematical equations on servers to unlock blocks of cryptocurrency. Right now, the hot currency to mine is called Ethereum. But back in the day, miners were doing this to Bitcoin as well. That's the most commonly known form of cryptocurrency. In fact, a lot of people just think the only cryptocurrency is Bitcoin, but it's not. It's Ethereum as well. And about 10 million other ones that aren't worth squat. But right now with the big trend in Ethereum mining, and I think there's like one other one that's also popular in mining, but nowhere near as bad as Ethereum... It, of course, put AMD and, shockingly this time, also NVIDIA graphic cards in high demand. To the point that when people made the discovery that Ethereum was being sold for a lot of money. One second here. Sorry about that, uh, podcast listeners. My mic was very slowly falling. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, it turns out that the GPU manufacturers, NVIDIA and AMD, don't mind the fact that people are buying NVIDIA and AMD GPUs for something other than engineering or video game playing. Darnedest thing. Who would have thought what's what i mean the real surprise in all of this is the fact that people thought for even a moment that AMD and Nvidia hated the trend of cryptocurrency and yes i know that the pcp the pc per article today's shocking news gpu vendors like crypto <laughs> right the currency mining trend I know that's supposed to be sarcastic. The problem is, is that there is a lot of people who actually find this surprising. Uh What do you even do? What do you even do? Let's actually shift gears. Speaking of AMD... AMD is announcing one last product update for 2017, and that is there's going to be AMD Ryzen processors with Radeon Vega graphic chips in notebooks. Now I know what you're thinking. This isn't news. We already knew that eventually AMD was going to make processors for laptops. Eagle, why is this news? This isn't interesting at all. There's one word in there that actually makes this very interesting. And that's the word Vega. That's the key here. The fact that AMD is making smaller, more power-efficient Vega graphic chips. Currently, in the desktop market, the only Vega chips that exist is the Vega 56, the Vega 64, and the Vega Founder's Edition. These are all very high-end, power-chugging chips. If you put these chips into a laptop, the battery would just cry and basically not exist. They suck 150 watts. Easy. And you're talking about putting them in the ultra-thin laptops that that they're talking about in this article. It just wouldn't happen. There's no way. So AMD clearly has plans on making lower-powered graphic card chips on the Vega architecture. Which then once again brings up a question I had earlier this year. Why, oh why, was the Radeon 500 series not on the Vega architecture? If you recall, I went on an unhealthy rant earlier this year Because AMD launched the 500 series graphic cards cards, on last year's Polaris architecture. It was literally so bad to the point where there is literally, not figuratively, no difference between an RX 480 and an RX 580. I take that back. There was one difference. The 580 fixed the problem the 480 had. That's it. There was literally no reason for the entire 500 series to exist. And the fact that th- this exists, the fact that AMD is going to be putting the Vega architecture inside laptops proves that they could have downscaled Vega. Don't get me wrong, I'm excited that we're going to see Ryzen and Vega inside some laptops, and it does mean that we're going to see some like MacBook Air-like PCs with probably some decent gaming horsepower that would normally not be seen in that. I mean, you're normally talking your ultra-thin laptops that would be lucky if they could run an Excel spreadsheet at 60 frames per second. I'm not. I'm kidding about that. Nobody runs Excel at 60 frames per second. Nobody measures frames per second on Excel. The fact that you can go ahead and run at least games at moderate settings on what's basically a a tablet with a keyboard, that's great. That's exciting. My only disappointment is that this didn't come Sooner. And that once again, we have an AMD lineup much like with when the fury was launched, where if you were buying an AMD graphic card with a number on it, you were a sucker. But if you bought an AMD card with a word on it, you were smart. That's what gets me. All right. All right. Let's talk about the other product launch. And that is the NVIDIA GTX 1070 Ti. Normally, when you have any sort of NVIDIA card with a Ti at the end, it's basically like a .5. Okay? So, like a 1080 Ti is like a... a step between, well, okay, well, nothing's higher than the 1080 TI, but basically the 1070 TI should be a step between the 1070 and the 1080. There is just kind of one little difference. The 1070 is basically... A slightly scaled down 1080. So PC per has the article up saying that the 1070 Ti is the answer to the AMD Vega lineup. The Vega lineup is currently as follows. We're gonna ignore the Frontier Edition because it's the Frontier Edition. Nobody's gonna buy that anymore. <laughs> no one. The RX Vega 56 is a $400 card. And that sits at 10.5 teraflops. The RX Vega 64 Air is a $500 card that sits at 12.6 teraflops. Now, teraflops is a bad way of measuring graphic card performance, because there is literally 10 quadrillion factors that go into a graphic card. Benchmark's usually the key way, but we don't have it right now. What the 1070 Ti is, the NVIDIA part that just came out, is basically a slightly scaled down 1080. With only 130 GPU cores less than the 1080. The 1080 has 2560 GPU cores. The 1070 Ti has 2432 GPU cores. So you're talking 128 less GPU cores. Slightly lower boost clock speed. Base clock speed's exactly the same. It's clear. It's a slightly tweaked 1080. 1080. The key here is that the 1070 Ti sits nice and comfortably between the Vega 56 and the Vega 64. The 56 is $400, the 1070 Ti is $450, the Vega 64 is $500, and the 1080 is also $500. One thing you have to keep in mind, though. The prices I just mentioned you're probably not going to find because of the cryptocurrency demands pushing all GPU prices higher. But that's beyond the point. What's really going to be telling is we're not going to see it for probably another week when places like PCPR, like Tom's Benchmarks, Tom's Heart, whatever... All the various places get a hold of a 1070 TI, and then set it on fire running benchmarks to see how well it compares to the, to the Vegas. Because the Vegas on certain games smoke the 1080. For workstation applications, the Vegas score higher than the 1080. But on certain gaming applications, on certain other ones, the 1080 scores higher than the Vegas. So we're going to, it'll be interesting to see where the 1070 scores on the benchmarks. So with that, we move on to (laughs) the Pixel 2. So what was it, two weeks ago, Google announced every single product known to man, and in there was the Google Pixel 2 and the Google Pixel 2 XL. The XL was using a radically different screen than the Pixel 2. I can't remember the exact acronym off the top of my head. And... Now, now, keep in mind, already up, down, left, eye in the chat is saying, I'm glad I stuck with my free new pixel rather than trading in for the 2. What I'm about to talk about only applies to the 2XL. The 2 is fine. As far as I'm aware, there is currently no issues with the 2. But the 2XL is showing signs of lack of color in the screen a blue hue when angled at a certain at a certain way as well as some small reports of burn in Now, in fairness, on the burn-in issues, OLED burns in. That's one of the problems with OLED. But OLED is supposed to have higher color accuracy. So if you have the downsides of OLED, but none of the pros, what's the point? Here's the real issue I have, though, with this. Google's response to the complaints about the Pixel 2 XL screen issues is that this is working as intended. (laughs) Really Google? You're gonna take the Apple approach. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not a bug. It's a feature. It's intended. Come on, Google. Come on. Now, they're saying the color issue is so that it has a more realistic color. The thing, though, is that if you were going for realistic color, you would have gone with an LCD. You go for an OLED screen for the bright, vibrant colors. That's the main reason you do it. Not for. <laughs> not to have blue hues or more mellowed colors. That's just silly. Now, I'm going to be fair here for a minute, as opposed to all the other times when I'm fair. I think it's quite possible that this is one guy, one Google PR guy, who went ahead and issued a response before flying it by his buddies. I think it is very possible that that's what happened. That this just quickly went out and was like, oh, no, 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 that, that, that's intended. That's intended. Stop asking me questions. I think it is quite possible that we're going to get a different response out of Google next week. And chances are that this could very well just be a defective first batch. I mean, let's be honest, we see it all the time with new phone releases. I mean, let's never forget the iPhone 4 when it first came out, where a protective coating was never put on the antennas, so the moment you gripped it on on a phone, that um, the antenna conduction was completely ruined. And of, co- and of course, that's where the whole it's not a bug, it's a feature sort of thing kind of, sort of stemmed from. When Steve Jobs went ahead and just got so frustrated with all the complaints, just went out on stage and said, every phone does it, here are five cases, <laughs> and of course nobody will ever forget that because... <laughs> Because once people start realizing that, hey, look, this iPhone 4 doesn't do it, but this one does. Hey, this one looks like it has some sort of coating on the metal band. What are the odds? Uh, This could very well just be a defective first batch of OLED panels. I think that's very, very likely. So we're gonna keep an eye on this. And a comment on Up Down Left uh, Die, they did give an update on um on theirs. They did mean the XL, not the not the regular. And that's honestly a good call to to hold off on that. Like I've said here on this show, time after time after time again. Is to never ever Be part of the hype and be the first to get something. Because you never know what defects are going to be in the first batch that had to be made two months before the release and find out that, oh, hey, look at that. The battery explodes. Uh, I probably should actually go through the entire phone lineup right now and see what's the best Android pick. But right now, I guarantee you, if you're in the iPhone universe, your only option is an iPhone 8, because you're never going to see an X, at least not until the year 2525. All right. Let's get on to what I was talking about earlier. So I have found that Alienware has officially officially launched the Alienware Area 51 Threadripper PC. The Area 51 is Alienware's top-tier gaming PC. This is the best, most powerful thing that they make with the Alienware brand on it. And now it has... (laughs) the wonderful AMD Threadripper chip in it. Which makes it more, which which makes it more of a workstation than a gaming PC. But that's beyond the point. The point is, it's out. And I went and just picked a pretty average build for it. Currently, the one I picked out. For the Alienware Area 51, runs an AMD Ryzen Threadripper 1950X, 16-core, 32-thread CPU, 3.6GHz on all cores, running Windows 10 Home, a 1500-watt, 80-plus-gold power supply, I'm sorry, an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1080... TI graphic card. Actually, wait. Did the one I pick had a TI? I actually might have. Oops. I need to go update my list in a moment. I missed the TI. My bad. Oh, it's actually weird that they did that. That's a TI, but if you get it with a liquid cooler, it's just a regular 1080. Anyway, 32 gigs of dual channel DDR4 RAM. So you're talking 216 gigabyte sticks of RAM. 1 terabyte M2 PCI Express SSD. And a 2 terabyte 7200 RPM SATA hard drive. 802.11 AC wireless. No keyboard, no mouse all for the low, low price of $4,300. So of course, whenever I find a new released PC like this, I have to challenge myself. Can I build this computer for less? And usually the answer is yes. But isn't it always fun to figure out by how much less it can be? Alright, so first things first, I need to quickly tweak my list because I unfortunately put a 1080, not a 1080 TI inside that rig. I'm gonna quickly update that list. There's the TI. There is the. I know this is great radio, isn't it? Let's me go doop 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 doop. All right. So here's my parts and why I chose each one of them. Here we go. All right. We have the MSI GeForce GTX 1080Ti GPU with 11 gigabytes of RAM, so it matches our Alienware 1 perfectly. Got that on there. We have two Fantex uh, Hollows RGB fan frames. This is going to go over the fans inside the case to emulate the RGB that the Alienware has. We, of course, have our 2 terabyte 7200RPM hard drive. Crucial MX300 1TB M2. SSD 1TB, of course. 32GB of DDR4 six, or 2666 RAM. You can go higher, of course, but this matches what they've got perfectly. An EVGA Supernova sixteen hundred watt gold rated power supply, fully modular. I'm gonna need a timeout chat at this point because they're just doing emote pyramids. We have a liquid, we have an RGB liquid cooler to match what they've got inside the Alienware. The exact same Ryzen CPU, nineteen fifty X, sixteen cores, thirty two threads. An MSI-X399 Gaming Pro Carbon AC motherboard. This is the heart of it all. This can control all the RGBs that is going to be inside this case. And the most important thing that I did was I hunted down this particular case. Because one of the things that the Alienware fanboys will always, underline always, defend their purchase with, is the look. The look that it has that nice sleek angled look with the with the, all the lights that they can customize, right? I have picked out a very unique and I I think much better looking case though much more fragile. The Cougar Conquer Aluminum ATX Mid-Tower Aluminum Frame Tempered Class Gaming Case with LED Fan. You might want to swap out the fans, in my opinion, because they are just static. Uh, They are just static fans, if you want to go for the whole RGB thing. The thing is angled on the front with a very, like, kind of batman esque sort of lines on it though with a very with one orange plate on both sides and that's angled on the back down very similar to how the alienware is one is and unjust in the chats asking isn't there a pyramid case i could not find one like the alienware unfortunately um, there were a couple of Lee and Lees, but Lee and Lee wanted like seven hundred dollars for it, and that's just no. Don't do that. <laughs> just, just don't. I'm sure someone could find a better choice. This is just the one I picked to try and give that same sort of strange eye-catching look that the Alienware Pyramid does. Now, here's the key. The grand total, the price to beat, is 4299 dollars $4, oh, ninety cents, $4,300. The build, 3400 oh, wait, $3,533.90. I forgot the Windows 10 license. My bad. So, $900 under. And, admittedly, well, a lot of that was lost to trying to go for the looks. Does the case come with anything other than orange? It is a a mostly open frame case, so there's tons, underlying tons, of airflow to the to the case. Yeah yeah does it come in gray? As far as I'm aware, no. But of course it's just the case. You can always pick a different case. One of the other cases I actually contemplated on was there was one by Rosewell that was more of a standard case, but it was RGB'd. So that might fit better. Add the Widow lesson so I don't forget. I just says, but Alienware is made with love. Can you put a price on that? <laughs> I hate to break it to you, on Just Banana. Hand making a case. There is... Or not hand-making case, handmaking the computer. Always. Underline always contains more love than one built in a Dell factory. That is kind of the thing, though, isn't it? You can always... I mean, anyone can go out and get a comp- get a computer. I mean, heck, my 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 main gaming rig right now is an HP Z eight hundred, and there's nowhere near as much love in that. If I went out and handpicked the components myself, myself, and just said this is mine, I went ahead and I picked every single. Component and put my heart and soul and brain power into this rig. At the same time, though, I also do love taking computers like the HP Z800 and just tweaking it that little bit, putting my little own twist on it, and getting what used to be used for power plant development and turning it into a seven year old gaming monster keeping up with rigs of today. All right. I'm going to post the link for that wish list in the description of this podcast. You are of course more than welcome to go, to go take a look at that, make your own tweaks on it. And if you want, you can go build this rig for yourself with that. Let's move on to the last burp, the last article of the day. I always try to save the strangest, most controversial articles for last. So I'd like to introduce you to Amazon Key. Yeah, the Amazon Key. This is a, uh, this is Amazon's attempt to break into your house. No, I'm kidding. Amazon Key is a special feature that is exclusively for Prime members. What it does is that you install this door lock and delivery drivers can gain access to your house when delivering a package and just leave the package inside. That way the package won't get wet and also that Little hooligans nearby won't come and steal your stuff. Sounds great, right? Does anyone see a flaw with this? Anyone? 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 Bueller? Bueller? Anyone see a problem? All right, all right, right. I I, I guess um, untrusting me will point out the obvious flaw in this. How can I trust the uh, Amazon driver? I mean, most of them are, in fact, not even directly Amazon employees. They're a third party. What if one of them decides to just come in here to my uh my little apartment and uh, like I don't know Take my streaming laptop then what? I mean yeah you could set up cameras and whatnot if you're gonna be super paranoid, but But in the day and age of, now granted, in the example of of my apartment, they wouldn't even be able to get to my door, because that would just be installed on the back door of my apartment, and then just be left, like, right behind the back door, they wouldn't even be able to get up the stairs to my apartment, but that's beyond the point. To another one. It's just. Really? This just seems like the answer to a question nobody had. Because already Amazon has a much better solution for this same problem. The Amazon lockers, they're installing throughout Whole Foods right now, and already are set up outside various other locations. I know there's an Amazon locker installed on 124th and uh, North Avenue. I had to blank on the street name for a minute. There's a gas station there. There's a huge Amazon locker installed on, on the side of that gas station. You just go in, put in your security code, a section of the locker opens up, there's your package, you grab and go. The end. Though I do like some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the comments in the, ch- in the chat here. JX Dallas, then you, then you have booby traps like floor spikes and poison gas <laughs> installed to stop them. A.O. Shaw booby trap your front door. Up down left eye does make a good point. Amazon locker lockers are far are far from them. I don't I won't have to go somewhere to get, get their stuff. That might be a solution to that. But then the solution to me would just seem wouldn't just Making a smaller Amazon locker make more sense. I don't know. For me, this seems to create more problems than it would solve grim reaper 007 in the in the chat a lot is wrong wrong with it i would have a second door behind it with a regular lock so that safe area is big big enough for, for a single package the thing is that the the um the gif that's currently playing on the stream right now that we're broadcasting live on it's showing a pretty big box it's It looks like 18 inches by 14 inches by 24 inches. It it looks like a fairly big box. That wouldn't fit between two doors. Uh, I I don't know. this idea just smells half-baked, no matter how you look at it. It, it, it's just not a good plan. Oh, well. That's gonna do it for me. Thank you, everyone who listened. If you want to support this podcast, all you have to do is go to twitch.tv slash eagle underscore falcon. Support that stream there, however you'd like. That is where I bro- broadcast non... Well, oh, I broadcast everything there, including this podcast. Take care, everyone. I will see you next week. Bye bye